welcome to Equipping the Saints. I'm Pastor Adam Moline. With me I have Pastor Thomas Goodroad. We serve the Saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. And we're uh, happy to have you here listening to Equipping the Saints. Uh, Last week as we uh, uh, had our episode, we began a new series looking at the book of Proverbs. We were able to talk a little bit about the who, what, when, where, and why of the book of Proverbs and uh, get kind of a foundation built for our study. Pastor uh, Goodroad, you want to kind of give us a quick overview of that? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's many different authors. Uh, The who of our five W's, again, if you want more details, go ahead and listen to last week's episode. Uh, But mostly written by Solomon. We've got a few other authors in there as well. Uh, The what is all about wisdom. It's about God giving us wisdom, both practical, but above all, and especially uh, the wisdom of the Lord. You know, it says in uh, chapter one, verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. We talked a lot about how that really just means wisdom um, about Christ and him crucified, about the fact that Jesus Christ came into the world and died for your sins. So that is the foundational knowledge that the entire Bible rests upon. And again, that's that's what Proverbs is talking about here. But there's also a lot of practical things that, that Solomon talks about and the other authors of Proverbs talks about as well. Um, let's see, the where, this was written, uh, Israel around Jerusalem, I believe we said, and the kingdom of Judah. Uh, why? Well, to impart wisdom. Yeah, and from Solomon, who's the wisest guy around, right? And I don't right. mean that in the joke way. He's such a wise guy. Uh, he actually was one of the wisest people that ever lived. Exactly. And the when, that's the one that I missed. I was thinking, I know I missed one of those W's, <laughs> the when. Well, this was uh, written around a, a thousand BC somewhere, you know, give or take a hundred years, whatever it is. Yep. Uh, so that was kind of our, our overview. Today, I think we're going to we're going to cover the first seven verses again, just real briefly, just to uh, give the listener here an, an idea, because this really sets um, sets the tone for the entire book of Proverbs, as well as, you know, it's really just the cornerstone for the book of Proverbs, as well as the entire Bible. So we're going to cover that again really briefly, and then we're going to get into our next section, which is uh, verses 8 through 19. Um, Pastor Moline, would you read those first seven verses for us? Sure. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, so I mentioned several times now, this is the cornerstone. Verse 7 especially, we want to hone in on a little bit. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, I mean, this is kind of the premise that Proverbs is set upon. This is the assumption that, you know, the fear of the Lord, that that's just being a Christian. 
you know, that is uh, understanding that God is the creator of heaven and earth, that Jesus Christ came into the world in order to die to forgive sinners, and that the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth. Yeah, uh, and, and I think the word fear, too, we have to maybe define what that means. It's not just uh, the shaking in your boots sort of fear, you know, the Halloween kind of fear. It is the same sort of fear that we speak about in the small catechism with the first commandment, that we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And so this fear is that kind of fear, the, the Christian fear that understands God is God and we are not. Exactly. It is the, the fear that we have for uh, somebody that's in authority, you know, because we realize God, he, like I said, created all things. Um, he has all of the power. This is not a fear that makes us run away from God. This is, in fact, the exact opposite. We fear God because of the power and authority that he has, but he's also the only place that we're actually safe. So we don't run away from God in fear. We go towards him with fear, respect, and especially love. Because like we say in the Lord's Prayer, you know, our Father, he wants us to approach him as our Father, just as dear children would ask their dear Father. Yeah, so this verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, uh, is kind of the, the main idea, the theme, and the guiding principle of the book of Proverbs. And uh, as Christians, you know, we see that also found and fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ, right? It has to be connected to him because when we speak about the Lord here, we're not merely speaking about the God of the Old Testament, as uh, lots of people talk about today, but we are speaking of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, the three in one here. And so we have to understand this in terms of Jesus as well. And as we get later on in the book, there's a lot of Proverbs that speak about the King and uh, when we understand that this fear of the Lord means Jesus as well, we can see that king being, yes, Solomon or David, but also then by extension, the real king, the um, king of the world who rules without end, Jesus Christ. And so um, wisdom comes from God, from fearing God uh, through Jesus Christ. Um, we, we might also say um, that wisdom is a free gift, right? If we use some of the words from Ephesians and the, the epistles, you know, that uh, faith is a gift that is given by the Holy Spirit and that um, without that faith and trust in God and in his word as it's given to us, we really have no wise decisions at all. We make, we have no wisdom in any w such way at all. Um, and I, th go ahead. Well, pastor, uh, we make no wise decisions. And uh, listener, I want you to hear the tongue that is in my cheek right now. Um, <laughs> what about the decision for Christ? Well, yeah, I mean, um, we have a lot of brothers and sisters in the Christian faith who are completely focused on that as if there's really no such thing as Christianity beyond conversion. But, you know, as we say in the small catechism and as the scriptures plainly teach, um, that we cannot by our own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ our Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit calls us by the gospel, enlightens us with his gifts, and sanctifies and keeps us in the one true faith. He calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies. Um, while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. And so it is a free gift that is given without any merit or worthiness in ourselves. And so 
you know, that argument we would say doesn't hold a whole lot of water. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going for is that, you know, you're, cause you're exactly right. You know, this is not something that we are, are choosing to do. This is something that we are moved to do by the power of the Holy spirit. Um, that is, that is what guides, you know, absolutely everything in the life of the Christian. Um, and now I, I wanted to just look into this, this first little section again, just a little closer, because it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Uh, we know what fear means now. Uh, we talked a little bit about what knowledge means. I want to look at this word beginning. You know, that, I think that's kind of uh, important here, too. It's that the life of the Christian starts with this knowledge that is given to us by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't end there. You know, like you said, after conversion, well, there's still more. It's not just you become a Christian and, well, that's it. That's all you got to do. And, you know, you just go off and do whatever you want to now that you're a Christian. There's still more that God says, okay, you're a Christian now. You have been justified. You have been baptized. You're a child of God. Uh, so now what? Now what do you do? Well, this is kind of what the book of Proverbs is is talking about. Uh, Verse 5 of chapter 1, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. So studying the word of God, you know, the beginning is becoming a Christian. Well, the continuation is the study of the word of God. That is what we're trying to accomplish here with the study of the book of Proverbs. Yeah, it's kind of like you're a baby, right? When a baby is born, uh, it's not like it stops learning or growing or anything like that. It keeps on learning and growing all the days of its life. And in that sense, too, the Christian faith is the same way. When we're born in the waters of baptism, uh, we are constantly studying the scriptures from then on out uh, to see what the word says and to live according to that word in our day-to-day life. It's not that we are not saved or that we're outside the faith until we have obtained a certain level of sanctification. Rather, because we are saved, we're going to learn and act according to that for the remainder of our life. And, And we don't do it perfectly. You know, we fail and we fall short and we sin Uh, But as Christians in that faith, when we see that, we repent and we return to Christ. And so, you you know, I think as we're talking about this idea of growing in wisdom and faith, we maybe should talk about the idea that um, in the scriptures, Jesus is the personification of wisdom. We even sing about that in uh, one of our very beloved Advent hymns, right? Right. O come, O come, Emmanuel, where we talk about O come, O come, O wisdom from on high. When we're talking about wisdom in that sense, in that verse of that hymn, and even here in the book of Proverbs, we're really talking about the second person of the Holy Trinity who becomes man and dies on the cross for us. He is the very embodiment of wisdom. And so like you were saying, as we grow in these things, we're actually seeking to be more and more like Jesus was in his life. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that that's also very telling. The second half of verse 7 says, Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know, fools despise Jesus and teaching of the word of God. So again, that's just kind of the basis for uh, the entire book of Proverbs that that we're going on here. So... We're going to, maybe what we should do to bring this section to a close then is uh, read where we're going to go from here. We have that main idea, that theme verse for the entire book. 
We're going to move into verses 8 through 19 going forward. And uh, to kind of set the stage for it, in this section we're going to hear Solomon directly addressing um, a son. My son is repeated here often. We were reading this book as uh, the family devotional in our household, and I have three daughters <laughs> and one son. And I kept saying, my son, and he kept looking at me like I was picking on him. But that's what it says here uh, in the book of Proverbs. And so as we see this, it is Solomon directly addressing his own son. But I think because we see Jesus as wisdom and personified and how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, we also can see this word, my son, indicating to us who we are in the faith, right? And this is reflected then in the Lord's Prayer where we can address God as our dear father, uh, just as a child addresses his dear father. And that idea is what's being conveyed here. So you want to read that section and we'll keep that in mind? or that'll... Uh, Yeah, absolutely. We got uh, verse 8 here, starting at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. And forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Let, like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. This is Equipping the Saints. We'll be right back. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back once again to Equipping the Saints. We're covering the book of Proverbs. Uh, I just read uh, the section of Proverbs we're covering today. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1 through uh, verses 8 through 19. So we got about, uh, what is that, 12 verses there, I think. Uh, we're, we're beginning this section here, verse 8, with, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. And forsake not your mother's teaching. And I think that's where we want to kind of start off our, our discussion in this segment today, Pastor. Um, I mean, what do you think about this? It's, this really reinforces the idea that Martin Luther puts in the small catechism. You know, at, at the heading of all these different sections of the small catechism, he talks about, uh, you know, for example, the Lord's Prayer as the head of the household should teach it to his family. You know, I think that King Solomon here is modeling this. I, I think this is kind of where Luther partially got the idea that this is what fathers do for their kids. They impart wisdom and knowledge and instruction, especially 
in the faith. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think that is exactly what he's saying here, and I think it's important for us to see that. What's the wisdom that he wants his son to listen to? Well, we've already talked about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so the foundational matter that moms and dads are supposed to teach their child is the Christian faith, the faith that Solomon seeks to teach to his children uh, as he's writing these words. And this isn't just in the headings of the small catechism, but there's an entire commandment that God wrote and gave to Moses from Mount Sinai that's all about this very topic. The fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. And even um, with that particular commandment, there is a uh, promise that is attached to it, right? That it may go well with you. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, this really is reflecting how the faith primarily is taught, that moms and dads teach the faith to their children. This is something that in our modern world has kind of gotten lost. We have, I think, and tell me what you think, um, in our society we have this idea that it is primarily the pastor's job to teach the faith to children. And that this happens in Sunday school and this happens uh, in vacation Bible school and things like that. But in the catechism and here in Proverbs as well as throughout the rest of the scripture, that's not the way that it's seen. Well, you know, I've only been a pastor for a little under two months. so Excuses, I, excuses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not speaking from a place of personal knowledge because I haven't had the opportunity for many people to, you know, leave their kids at my feet and say, here, this is your job or anything. But growing up in the Christian faith, I, you know, I was, I was baptized when I was less than two weeks old, and I went to the same church for my entire life all the way up through when I went to seminary. I still had the same church, same pastor and everything. Went to church uh, many, many, many more Sundays than not. And I would agree. And a lot of my peers growing up, they they were left to basically, oh, you, you get instructed here at church by the pastor. Oh, you go to Sunday school. That should be enough for you. Well, it's really not. <laughs> and the evidence is, you know, well, the proof is in the pudding, I guess is what they say. And I look at many of my peers that I grew up with in my church, so many of them don't go to church anymore. So many of them just, you know, once they were confirmed, once they graduated high school, weren't living with mom and dad anymore, well, you would not see them uh, go into any church anymore at all. The difference was that some of my friends were taught in the home by their parents, in addition to being taught by the pastor, you know, Sunday school, Bible study, confirmation, in the actual divine service with with the sermon and everything, too. That makes a huge difference. And that's exactly what this Bible verse is telling us here, too. This is a dual command here in verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. This is a command to, you know, children. There's also a command to parents. Parents, teach your kids. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's important to see that both sides of it are there, right? And, uh, you know, this is important that the parents take this duty seriously, but then also it's important that children uh, learn how important and serious this is and listen and learn from it. And so we have to have both sides of that uh, taking place. And I just want to toot our own horn here for a second. This is some of the things we're trying to do are to help teach our parents and support them in that. We have the 
building the faith in the home classes that we've used to supplant Vacation Bible School, where the goal and purpose is to encourage and give parents the tools and resources to do this very thing in the home with daily devotions, with knowing how um, to talk about particular issues and what the main points are that should be taught to children with the goal that children will learn this instruction and have the wisdom that Solomon is speaking about, the faith that can then sustain them throughout this life and into the life that is to come. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's we're trying to teach you know, parents and kids alike that the faith is something to be valued. This is something that, you know, is is just so excellent. Verse 9 of our text here, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. You know, we want to try to teach people that the faith is something that is very important. I think this verse has multiple meanings. You know, I'm just talking about one right now. But, you know, we want parents to act like the faith is really important, like it really is a garland for their head and a pendant for their neck. The way that kids learn is by, you know, watching others. At school, they might watch other kids and just kind of act like them to try to fit in or whatever. Well, they also watch parents. And they see how they act towards church, you know. So don't act like church is something that is just something that you're forced to go to, that you don't really want to be there. And I think there's something to be said in the fact that a garland and a necklace, a pendant on there, are things that are visibly are visible outward signs of what's going on. So, you know, we think of garlands, when we think of the Romans, right, uh, that when you had a triumph or something like that, you had a particular type of garland placed around your head as a sign of your victory and your triumph. And everyone could see that you were wearing it uh, and that it was placed there. And that was the visible sign of the thing that had taken place. Same with a, you know, a necklace, uh, perhaps with the, the jewel or whatever on there that would have a name engraved into it in the ancient world. That indicates uh, who the person is who has blessed you. And so when parents are teaching the faith to their kid, uh, We want it to be there so that it shines outward in the way that they act, the things that they do, the lives that they lead. And I think this is, again, um, emphasizing that the Christian life is something that is visible, that it isn't just, uh, well, I'm... I say I'm a Christian and, uh, you know, I might go to church occasionally, but then I never, ever act as a Christian. It's never visible in the things that I do. And so I swear and I uh, sleep around and I do all these other things that aren't Christian. Uh, We want those two to go together and to be visible in the life of the individual. Exactly. And, you know, this is something that should just naturally flow. You know, this is not anything that we're trying to say saves you you know for example this this uh, shining this outward uh, visibility of your christian faith this is not a work that contributes to your salvation at all because that comes uh, solely from christ and him crucified as a free gift Uh, but this is just something that should naturally follow as a christian you know you want to do these things Uh, you you want to treat the faith as something good you want to show the love of christ to other people you want everybody to see that uh, you have been saved by Christ and Christ alone, and you want other people to share in that salvation as well. It, it takes a lot of time and work, and I, I think I'd want the parents listening to know that. It's, it's not something uh, 
that you can just have one simple, easy way that you can teach the faith to your kids. It takes a lot of time and effort, and uh, it may be even a little bit overwhelming, which is why we're trying to encourage our families to do it just a little bit each and every day, uh, family devotions, things like that. But if you do the math, right, um, you can't just rely on merely the pastors teaching the faith. We have one hour of confirmation a week, right? Uh, and if we have you know, Sunday school, then we're up to two hours maybe with church, then three hours. But you compare that amount of time to kids spending 30 to 40 hours in school every week watching, um, let's, you know, if they watch an hour of TV every day, that's all of a sudden seven hours. If they watch more wow, than that, only only one hour. Huh? <laughs> right, right. I know. Um, you get you add up these hours add up very quickly, and in these places, in um, in many school systems and on many TV shows, they're not actually teaching Christian values or faith, but they're actually teaching the exact opposite and undermining our Christian values and faith. And so that's where a little bit of Christianity every day um, in devotions and things like that can benefit greatly. And, you know, I want to... I want to hop on that bandwagon just a little bit of, you know, TV is, away. <laughs> is really not that good for your kids. So one of the examples that stands out to me uh, relatively recently within the past 10 years, have you seen the, the movie Frozen from Disney? Let it go. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's let that movie go. So the the theme that I heard praised by so many people over and over was the fact that, oh, look up. Uh, you know, they're showing that true love, that's not from, you know, whoever your romantic interest is, your significant other. True love is really familial love. Because that was, that was kind of their, their point that they made at the end of the movie was that true love was the true love that sisters or that family can really have. And that's, that's what they were trying to push. But that is not a, at all the uh, perspective that a Christian has. You know, it might sound really nice to our society, but in truth... True love comes only from our God. Yeah, and you could do it with lots of other movies too, right? Um, uh, take Encanto uh, with its really catchy music again, but uh, the theme is actually nowhere near Christianity at all. Or um, you know, what's the one with the girl who's in the Pacific? Uh, uh, Moana. Moana, oh, yeah. right? Uh, even that one uh, isn't isn't trying to hide the deism that they're putting in there they actually have a half god person as one of their main uh characters and uh, we're just doing these very briefly and so please don't think we're being trivial about it we could talk a long time about these particular movies and the themes that they have not supporting christianity we're not saying you can never watch them yes i was gonna say or that the, you're evil or not a christian if you do but be aware and have a conversation with your kids, um, moms and dads, when they watch these movies so that you can come back and point out the issues and then reinforce our Christian values as well. Yeah, because I think that so often people are looking for, I don't know, maybe what would you call it, the meaning of life. You know, they're looking for values that they can incorporate into their life in order to live a good life and be good people. And so often I hear people, especially my generation and younger, talk about these movies as though they're unlocking some kind of secret to life. Oh, wow, true love really just comes from family, you know, that, that kind of thing. Well, 
they're they're fine like normal values to have because yes you should love your family and yes that is a good thing to have a good familial love uh, but that is not the foundation of our lives that is not the core of our morality at all the core of our morality is what the word of god teaches us everything that jesus wants us to know and how to act and everything like that so that is what as christians our foundation should be not all this other wishy-washy Disney type stuff. And that goes right with the next verse that we want to get to in this segment. Uh, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. And I almost wonder if you couldn't translate it when they entice you, do not consent. And that's kind of what we're saying with this, right? Is that we aren't going to be able to shelter ourselves from this sinful world perfectly. You are going to be enticed. You are going to face these things. But as we build these Christian values from the wisdom of faith, uh, we seek to not be overcome by sinners. And as we uh, get to this next segment, we're going to hear what the call of these sinners is. And so uh, meet us back here on the other side of the break, and we'll take a look at that. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Equipping the Saints. Uh, Pastor Goodrow and I just want to make sure we invite you uh, during this episode as well to join us for worship here at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church. On Sunday mornings, we have worship at 8 o'clock and at 1030, uh, divine services. And uh, we also have divine service on Wednesday evening at 630. On Sundays, we have Bible study in between those two services. Right now, we're going through the book of Genesis. And uh, we also have a new members class coming up as well soon. And uh, we invite you to begin confirmation with us this fall as well on Wednesday evenings. If you have any questions, uh, contact the church office. We're going to keep on working our way through Proverbs chapter 1 verses 8 through 19. We ended last segment with uh, kind of a call from sinners, right? So it said, my son, if sinners entice you, do not be willing. And we're going to start then here with verse 11. If they say, come with us, let's set an ambush to shed blood. Let's hide to ambush an innocent person without cause. Uh, Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive. The whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. So we have, you know, the beginning of the book of Proverbs, we have the call of wisdom, right? And that the wisdom uh, begins with the fear of the Lord or with faith. And now we're hearing what the other call is, the call of sin, the call of wickedness, the call of this world. And these two... Solomon is setting at odds with one another in the entire scheme of things. We have a good call 
and a bad call. And uh, our ears are hearing both of these things, and we need to have the faith and the wisdom to discern between the two of them. As I hear this, you know, maybe this is just because of what I'm studying here besides the book of Proverbs. It makes me think of the Garden of Eden just a little bit where we had the word of God spoken to Adam and Adam speaking that to his bride. And then you have the serpent speaking foolishness and not wisdom uh, to Eve as well. And the, the difficult predicament that she was placed into as a result of that. As Christians, we are always being confronted with these calls as well. And we need to make sure that we listen to the right call, which is the call of God and his word. What do you think about that, Pastor Goodroad? Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is kind of, uh, I think, on its most surface level, at the very beginning of this, you know, it says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. This kind of talking to somebody who's pretty young, pretty inexperienced. So on its most surface level, just looking at the words here, it kind of looks like, you know, a father warning his son to, hey, stay away from all of these, like, evil or easy or just, like, maybe fun things. I mean, I don't know, Pastor Moline, you were probably a perfect child who never got into any kind of trouble. Sure, let's go with that. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> but I, on the other hand, I liked to get into trouble because it was very fun. You know, it was uh, it was fun to go and, and pick on your little brother, or it was fun to go and get into any kind of trouble, get into things you weren't supposed to because uh, it was exciting and it's kind of dangerous and, you know, all these kinds of things. Things that you shouldn't be doing, they're, they're just kind of naturally fun and exciting, especially to a young person, uh, you know, young man, young woman, whatever it is. Uh, so on its, on its most surface level, I think this is like a warning against like, hey, don't, do, don't just go down this really easy or fun path. Don't just do something that you want to just because you want to or because it's fun or easy or feels good right now. You know, because this is talking about taking what other people have worked for, taking what other people have done, and unrighteously making it your own. Rather, uh, go down this path that the Father has prepared for you, the one that he's trying to pass on to you. Like, essentially, you know, going back to your theme about uh, clinging to the Word of God, cling to the knowledge that God is giving you. Uh, go down the narrow path rather than the wide and easy path. And, and we see um, God narrow that path tremendously with his Ten Commandments. And so maybe let's take a look at verse 11 here. Uh, it says, Sinners are enticing you by saying, Come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. We hear something like that. What's it talking about? What's the issue that um, sin wants us to commit? I think it's murder, right? Is that what you would take? Uh, That's, I mean, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. I, I would agree with you. And I think we see this take place in our modern world in many ways. Uh, we, we see a lot of the violence that's on our TV screens and the news and things like that, um, you know, riots in the street or shootings and things like that, uh, which definitely are not wise and are against God's holy word and thereby uh, sin. But it, it even is in our society. Think about some of the main conflicts in the United States in terms of abortion. 
right? And the conflict that is constantly being brought up about that. Or euthanasia, you know, should we give people the right to die the way they want to, when they want to? In a sense, this is not wisdom putting forward and enticing us to live differently than what God's word says and demands. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's just such a, a common and, and I don't know, just it's our society is absolutely rife with people who are just trying to get away from the Christian faith at any cost. And they will do it. I mean, Satan works in such, you know, devious, mysterious, I don't know, I don't want to say mysterious, very devious ways, I'll say. Um, he just tries to undermine the Christian faith whenever he possibly can. Just like with abortion, for example. You brought that up. One of the very common things that uh, the side that advocates for abortion would say is, well, if you want there to be fewer abortions, then why don't you provide uh, contraception for free for everybody? Because then that would achieve your goal of abortion being uh, eradicated. Uh, well, what does that really just facilitate? Breaking Pro the sixth commandment. <laughs> breaking the sixth commandment. Uh, you shall not commit adultery. That is being promiscuous outside of marriage. That's that's actually not the end goal of Christianity is just to eradicate abortion. That's just like one thing that is uh, constantly put forth by society as something that is good that really is not. The real goal of Christianity is that everyone would become Christian. And that includes, for example not getting abortions, but it also includes getting married, uh, being chaste until marriage, saving saving yourselves for marriage, uh, and having a family, and all these other good things. This is, there's a very holistic approach that Christians take, and it includes very many things. So in verse 11, we have that discussion about the blood, uh, and, uh, you know, hurting or harming people in their body to the point where they bleed. Verse 12 builds on that a little bit and says, Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. Now we have this word Sheol, and I think it is uh, coupleted with those who go down to the pit. Pastor Goodroad, uh, can you tell us what Sheol is and what uh, the pit is that they're speaking about? Well, you know, I think Sheol is used in a few different ways throughout the Old Testament. Sometimes it is referencing just the afterlife. It will, it will talk about... Uh, Christians or believers, people of God, going to Sheol as just kind of the other side of this life. Uh, sometimes Sheol is also referencing specifically hell. Uh, sometimes it's referencing specifically heaven. You know, it's Sheol is just kind of the general term. You have to determine what it actually means by its context. Here, our context is uh, like those who go down to the pit. And the pit, I believe, would be the bad place, a place that we do not want to go hell. H-E, double hockey sticks. Right. <laughs> uh, that, that's uh, what I would take it as as well. And we, you know, if we're going to use Scripture to interpret Scripture, we see that very clearly then for in places like um, the book of Revelation where Satan is cast into the pit and uh, he's left there at the end. And so that is where murderers go as well, uh, people who hurt others for no cause, and uh, that is the result, ultimately, 
of unfaith. The fruit of unfaith is this murdering, this hurting and harming of our neighbor, and as a result, uh, going down to Sheol. And it's, it's kind of like, it goes hand in hand with this whole swallowing them whole. When someone is an unrepentant sinner, uh, that unrepentant sin will completely take them over, body and soul. I think that's kind of the idea that this verse is getting at here. Yeah, it makes me think of um, in Exodus, I think it's in Exodus, where the people of Israel uh, fall into sin and the earth opens up and swallows uh, a large number of them, uh, taking them down into the pit. Well, well, how does this happen? They aren't acting wisely according to the faith. Instead, they're following their own desires and worshiping, I'm going to call them the gods or demons of this world. And as a result, the earth opens up and swallows them into that pit, just like we have in this particular verse. Uh, we should keep going here. Yeah, verse 13. We shall, uh, we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. I think <laughs> this word find here is very telling. You know, this is not something that is earned. When thieves will go and steal something else, they did not earn that thing. It is uh, taking what somebody else has worked for rather than actually just, you know, getting it and working for it themselves. I would take it that way as well when it's saying find wealth and treasure. It, it is getting it in a means that is not good and God-pleasing. But I think even more than that, I think that when you're, what's the reason that you do that? Why would you go and steal or why will you find these things? Because they are now the object of your desire and the focus of your entire life. So I think it is seventh commandment and stealing. I think it's also first commandment and the things that you love, as well as ninth and tenth commandment with coveting these items as well and, and building your treasure here in this world rather than uh, where moth and rust do not destroy. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, filling our houses with plunder. Um that's that's not what a Christian does. Does it happen in America? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we could we could get into that. We could spend an entire uh, episode on on talking about that a little bit. But yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's just it's filling your house or you know your heart or whatever it is with things of this world, things that are not the Word of God, things that are not wisdom and knowledge. Because when you value wisdom and knowledge. You know, that, that is something that the Lord will give you for free. That is what the Christian will truly seek after. It's not taking what somebody else has. It is receiving for free from the Lord that which he wants to give you. And so uh, you see Home Shopping Network uh, at work and this idea as well as with theft and things like that. Finally, it says, throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. Uh, I think this is, again... This idea of uh, loving the wealth and power of this world more than you love God is the call of sinners. And to throw in your purse with them is essentially to, what's the right way to say it, cooperate and make that the focus of all of your endeavors, right? If you're going to give your purse into this cause, it is indicating that you will fully support it. You see this in politics, right? This is politicians' main goal is to get you to financially support them. Uh, or you can see it with all sorts of other things. You know, what's the... 
uh, you know, the Kickstarter, right? <laughs> we want to sell you on our cause so that you'll throw your purse in with us. Right. And, and you know, it's really at the end of the day, then if you are throwing in your lot, your purse with these unrighteous people, well, you will get your just reward. You will you will get the payment that that kind of thing earns. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that and uh, the end of our section today. We're here in Proverbs chapter 1 with Equipping the Saints. Pastor Adam Moline, Pastor Thomas Goodrow, we'll be right back. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Equipping the Saints. We are covering the book of Proverbs. This is our uh, last section for this episode here. Um, We serve the saints here at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church. And here at KNNA 95.7 The Cross, we have a lot of different programs. Uh, This is just one of them. We've been doing Equipping the Saints. We're like on the 65th episode or something like that. 66th. Oh, 66th episode. We talk about uh, the book of Ephesians, the book of James, everything like that. Um, we have all kinds of different programs here at KNNA Theological Programming. So search for that. Wherever you listen to podcasts, they are available online. Search for KNNA Theological Programming, and you can find an absolute wealth of knowledge, of, of content for you to listen to uh, whenever you have your free time. Um, Pastor Moline, I believe that you also have your sermons put online for people to listen to, right? Yes, at uh, With Intrepid Heart Sermons, quoting the uh, very end of the Book of Concord and kind of the say this is uh, what our confession of faith is. So take a look at that as well. All right. I'll have, uh, I'll have my sermons put online sometime soon as well. I just, I've got to find the time to do it. You know, who would have thought being a new pastor is kind of busy. Yeah, wait till we give you, uh, you know, the full to-do list here, so then... <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I'm so excited for that. Can't wait. All right, here, Book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 1. We're covering verses 15 through 19 here in this final segment. I will, uh, I'll read that now, starting verse 15. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. All right, so we have another, my son here, pastor. Uh, Yeah. You know, just kind of gathering the attention, just kind of reinforcing the fact that, listen, this is uh, someone in authority speaking to somebody under them and just telling them again, uh, reinforcing, do not walk in the way with them, them being uh, who? Well, we're talking again about the sinners that we were just speaking about, the ones who are enticing with their call to go out and wait for blood, to steal, to build up worldly wealth, to uh, share money with them. These are the people that are trying to entice us, and Solomon's advice is to not walk in the way with them, but to hold back from that. And I think that's really something important for our world today, right? So many people are nominally Christian, 
and they claim the title of Christianity, but then they go out and they live as if they are not Christians by acting wickedly and sinfully. Uh, even some church bodies hold that as a tenant of their faith, right? That uh, these wicked things of the world are not actually sin and that you should embrace the identity that they foist upon you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think one thing, I thought you were going to go there, but I guess I'm going to go there now. Okay. Um, <laughs> hold back your foot from their paths. This is kind of, you know, it's, it's an exhortation to, like, uh, have some self-control, you know. And I say this without taking the Lord's name in vain. Uh, for God's sake, have some self-control. Hold back your foot from their paths. Uh, you know, you, you'll recognize these people's paths, the, the sinners, the evil ones, like it's talking about here in Proverbs 1, uh, by studying the Word of God. So that way you can recognize when something is good or when something is bad. And when there is something bad and it looks enticing and looks like something that, hey, I should do that. That looks kind of fun, you know. Uh, you can recognize that it's bad, that it's evil. Hold back your foot from that. Have a little self-control. And, and when so let me ask you this, Pastor Goodroad. When we as Christians um, openly go into sinful acts and our heart is hardened as we continually do particular sinful acts, what's the issue that we need to be alarmed at with that? Uh, it is kind of your, your heart callousing over. You know, it is uh, becoming completely and totally blind to this sin that you will continually commit by continually doing this and not calling the evil the evil that it really is. You'll you'll stop seeing that as a sin. You'll stop, you know, trying to repent of that and trying to turn towards God away from this sin. And what does that sin do to your faith then? It, it will absolutely uh, corrupt your faith. It will kill it, you know, from the very root. Just like it was talking about in, in one of our earlier verses, it will take you over completely, whole, not just your body, but also your soul. And that puts yourself in danger, um, your your faith in danger, you know, your, your eternity in danger. But then on top of that, going back to the very beginning of our segment here too, um, it puts your kids in danger as well. You know, you ask any, any parent uh, in their right mind, say, hey, do you want your kids to go to heaven? <laughs> They're going to say, well, yeah, of course, you know, uh, given they believe in heaven and whatnot, they want their kids to go there. But by not paying attention to these things, not turning your foot away from evil, holding back your foot from their paths, you put not just yourself, but your entire lineage at risk. And so you have these two paths before you, or maybe to quote the words of Christ, you know, the, the way of righteousness is narrow, but the way of foolishness is very broad. As Christians, we want to seek to keep our faith, the wisdom that our faith is intact, and that's why we seek to the very best of our ability to do what God's Word says. Exactly, yes. And uh, like to, to contrast that, in verse 16, it says, for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. These are things that we do not do. I mean, Pastor Moline, where do our feet as Christians run? Well, hopefully to church, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, to or, God and his word, to his <laughs> places where he gives his blessings and his love is showered out upon us. Yes, exactly. The, you know, they don't run to, to shed blood or anything like that. It is 
the very opposite. You know, in the fifth commandment, we have an exhortation not to murder or to hurt or harm our neighbor in their body, but to help and support them in every physical need. You know, that's the contrast that's kind of being implied here in in verse 16 of Proverbs chapter 1, is that the Christian's feet will run to do good, to help their neighbor, to support them in every physical need. And then, of course, to be supported by other Christians when you are in need and and accept that help and realize that, you know, this is just, this is how Christians live. This is the community. So Solomon is going to compare that Pastor Goodroad with a bird, right? And he says, uh, and I'm just going to say this, right? We, we kind of use birds today as symbols of uh, foolishness or stupidity, right? Bird brain. Um, he says, when a He says, in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. In other words, if you put the net out while the bird is watching, the bird is smart enough not to fly into it. (laughs) But if you are following foolishness and wickedness and sin, then the net is being set out there because God has told you where it is and you're just walking right into it like a uh, a doofus. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I shouldn't use the word doofus, right? I think that's a pretty (laughs) socially acceptable word. (laughs) And and that's what the truth is, right? When you think about the things of this world, right? Um, Take, let's just take a really simple one, drunkenness. When you look at it, Drunkenness is obviously not good. It's going to cause you perhaps to get in accidents, to kill people. Uh, it's going to cause you to have issues with your family and to make bad choices. That's the very nature of drunkenness. It's so obvious, and yet how many people struggle with that in our world today? Uh, how many people's faith is hurt by their love of drinking rather than their love of God? Um, it is something that it, it should be so obvious, and yet we, in the day-to-day actions of our life, struggle so greatly to avoid these sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's why we should always try to increase in our knowledge, increase in our learning, so that these things are as obvious as a net put in front of a bird. You know, we should be able to, as Christians, identify these nets that Satan places in our lives in order to avoid them and go, well, I'm not going over there. You know, look at the fruits of the people who you're thinking about hanging out with. You know, that's that's how you'll know them is by their fruits. So that's that's what we are trying to do as Christians is go to the word of God, understand what it is that God wants us to understand. So that way we can be on the right path. So our feet will go towards the right thing. Now, verse 18, pastor, I love this verse. My goodness. Uh, During the break, I was just like gawking over how great this verse is. Verse 18, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. What do you have to say about this verse? I know I could talk about a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, so there's there's the really obvious meaning that, you know, makes me think of Looney Tunes, where Wiley Coyote, he, he will uh, order away for this trap to catch the roadrunner, and inevitably he sets the trap up, and he's the one who ends up caught in it, blown up by it, falling off a cliff usually because of it. And... Uh, what Solomon is saying is that, you know, a bird is smart enough to avoid the net, 
but people who walk down the path of sin set their own trap and they fall into their own trap and it ultimately leads as he says to their death and i think because we know that wisdom is standing in here as a a word that is helping us understand christian faith um what he's saying is being apart from the Christian faith, ultimately walking in this way, leads to your death, and not just temporal death, but eternal death, the death of hell, or as we read earlier, the falling into the pit uh, of Sheol permanently. And that's really the fear that you ought to have if you are living apart from the Christian faith. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's we want to recognize that if we are laying an ambush for for somebody else what we are really doing is just hurting ourselves you know these sins and everything they're they yes they are hurting other people but ultimately we're hurting ourselves you know uh, we had a conversation earlier this week too a little bit about uh forgiveness you know when people don't forgive others they're not hurting them they're really just hurting themselves so that's what the word of God, it kind of reveals to us is that these sins, yeah, they're, they're bad for everybody else, but ultimately they're bad for ourselves. So do this for kind of your own self-interest as well as the interest of everybody else around you. Um, Since sin kills faith, when we sin, we're killing our faith and we're walking down the wide path that leads apart from God, and that's not good. Absolutely, absolutely. Our last verse here, Proverbs uh, chapter 1, verse 19, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Still talking about these sinners here that have gone and uh, stolen what everybody else has. It's really just, it's hurting yourself. The In and Solomon's wisdom, you know, the work, through the work of the Holy Spirit, I should say, um, he realizes that the best way to get somebody to listen, to pay attention, is when it concerns themselves. Yeah, there there are selfless people out there who will, you know, they'll listen when it concerns other people and they'll want to do good for other people or for society or community at large, whatnot. But really, what is most important to, like, pretty much everybody, who's number one? Themselves. And what's yourselves most important possession, right? Y- your life. <laughs> right. Your your life, I was going to say, your your eternal soul. Um, you know, that's that's kind of what people should be most concerned about. Where are you spending eternity? And where is your family or your children spending eternity? Uh, that's a little bit more important than these temporal possessions that you may gain by by stealing or by committing all these sins. And think about all the things people do in this world to try and keep themselves alive, right? The things that they'll put into their bodies, the actions that they'll take, the foods that they'll eat. Uh, it really is, in a sense, our most important possession. And in fact, the way to protect it best is to leave it in the hands of God. And that happens through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave his own life that our lives might not come to an end, who rose from the dead that we might have the promise of eternal life. Uh, So just something to keep in mind. Pastor, I'm going to let you close us out here. Anything else? Uh, I think think that about does it for this episode. Once again, uh, for Pastor Adam Moline, I am Pastor Thomas Goodroad. This was Equipping the Saints, going through the book of Proverbs. Blessings on your week.